Happy New Year, everybody. So, you know, you've heard the phrase that we are in the world but not of the world. You know, it kind of comes from the New Testament. And it's, it's very true, but I think we need a quick kind of caveat. We are in the world, but we're not of the world, but we are in the world. Like, we can't forget that. And so I'd like to say that we are in the world, we're not of the world, but we are for the world. Right? We're not separated from the world. Um, and we'll, we'll bring up this passage again later, but in the Gospel of John, it's probably the most common passage known in American culture. It's the one that, you know, they hold up at signs, just the chapter or the book, the chapter and the verse at like at sporting events, right? You know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. So God loves the world. God's saving the world. God has called us to be in the world. So we're in the world, but not of it, which means that we are part of the world, but not the same way the world is a part of the world. We're a part of the world in the way that God is in the world. We're in the world in the way that Jesus is in the world, saving the world. And one of the ways I think we see this is that the church has a calendar that kind of calls us to a certain way of living, a certain rhythm to our life which is different than the calendar that we typically live with. Like most Americans, you know, or all Americans, we might say, live according to a particular calendar, right? This is January the 5th. We just started a new year. We've welcomed everyone else, like, you know, Happy New Year, right? So we have these kind of calendars, and we could see them as kind of competing calendars, like... We live by Advent and Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and Easter, and the world lives by, you know, something else, January the 1st or, you know, February the 14th or, I don't know, give me another holiday, July the 4th, you know, those kind of type of things. But I'd like for us to think about it less as a matter of competition, because competition makes it seem like we're against the world, and we're not, at least we shouldn't be. We're not against this world. This is God's world. So we are in it, but not of it, but we are for it. And so I want to find ways in which we can live according to a Christian calendar that in some ways, when possible, comes into step with, with the national calendar. And then when it's not in step, then we just walk a little differently, right? We become a bit syncopated in, in the way in which we live. We, we live according to the word of God. We live according to the promises of God. We live according to kind of the doctrine of the church. So let's think about the calendar that uh, the, kind of the world lives by. So we'll start in January. Certainly there's January the 1st. Uh, we, we heard today from Gretchen that it is kind of a human trafficking month. Uh, that's, that's not an ancient, well, Human trafficking is an ancient problem. Having a, an awareness month is something new. And so we, we do want to be aware of such things. Uh, in February, what's a, what's a good holiday to celebrate in February? Maybe Valentine's Day? Yeah, thank you. That's a good one. And, of course, St. Valentine of St. Valentine's Day, right? That at one time was a Christian holiday. Uh, I don't know that it's typically celebrated as a Christian holiday these days, uh, you know, we kind of exchange kind of flowers and chocolates, which seems to me to be a pretty good thing, right? That's not a bad thing to kind of celebrate Valentine's Day. 
Then we, we move into March. Does March have a, a, a national holiday in it? St. Patrick's Day. Man, they're just all these saints. <laughs> right. So I'm, I married into an Irish family. My, mother, my mother-in-law was a Malarney. My father-in-law was a Patrick. Uh, I walked into the living room the first time to, to meet um, uh, Angela's parents, and across the couch it said, Bless the Irish. I'm like, okay, I kind of know where I am. <laughs> on, uh, on New Year's Day, just this year, Angela like boiled cabbage and put money in it or something. I'm not sure what that was about. <laughs> Some kind of Irish holiday. So we move into April, and April has its holidays. We move into May. Certainly there's Memorial Day. Uh, also in May, it's not actually a church holiday, though we like to celebrate it. I think it's in May, Mother's Day. That seems very, you know, Christ-like to celebrate your mother, um, although it's not officially a Christian holiday. And then in June... Uh, there's Father's Day. That one, of course, is near and dear to me as a father. Uh, in July, of course, there's the 4th of July, uh, which is an American holiday. Uh, when I was living in the UK, uh, I remember one particular, um, was it the 4th of July? No, it was Thanksgiving, sorry. And then I'll get, I'll get to that in a second. Forgot my stories, <laughs> and, and they're my stories. <laughs> And then after the 4th of July, there's that other important holiday during July, July the 7th. Do you, do you know that important holiday? My birthday. It's, it's my birthday, too. <laughs> they say it's your birthday. <laughs> Barb and I share the same birthday. Uh, uh, yeah, as does my daughter-in-law, uh, Kate. She also has that same birthday. Yeah, that's actually not a national holiday. <laughs> but we, we move on and on, right? So we have those holidays. And... In some ways, I think those are good things. We can celebrate them, things like Memorial Day or Labor Day or Thanksgiving or what have you. Um, But that is this particular rhythm that we have, and there's part of that that I think we actually should resist. Like, there's something about the national rhythm that wants to mold us just into consumers, right? We're just customers. We, we, We just buy and purchase, We consume our lives over and over. And everything we come to, we come to it kind of as a customer. Like sometimes, you know, with my students at the college, when I'm wanting them to read something, they're just consuming it. They're just wanting to know how they might answer a question. There's no sense of humility. There's no sense of love. There's no sense of gratitude, right? But that's that's what I want them to have. And and I'm a little afraid of this, that that sometimes it's possible for us to even come to church and to think of the church as another place in which we just consume things. We're just wondering about what services are offered here. You know, do you have a service for this? Do you have a service for that? Which, you know, brings me back around to what Daniel was saying in our call to worship. That is, the idea of having, during Advent, we had all of the children in here. And because we were committed to this idea of us as a complete community worshiping together. Now, we did learn a few things. That between birth and five years old, (laughs) there's a lot to handle right then, right? So for Epiphany, we've made a little bit of an adjustment. And so right from the beginning, if if you so uh, need or want, there is um, a children's church available or, you know, children's classrooms available from birth through five. So there, we've, I feel like we've, we're making some progress here. 
But from kindergarten up through, I think it's uh, fifth grade. Fifth grade? Somebody help me. Fifth, yeah. Those kind of the older upstreet kids, we're going to have them in here with us at the beginning of the service. And I want them to, to sing. I mean, they can sing songs themselves there. But I want them to, all of us to sing together. I want them to hear the call to worship. I want them to hear prayers. I want them to hear scripture read. Because they are us and we are them. Right? We're not just doing this to kind of make it easier on Daniel and his volunteers. Uh, we're doing this because we're committed to this concept that we come together. And that's, that's who we are. And so the Christian calendar, I think, tells us not so much that we're consumers, but rather that we're children, that we're children of God, that we are created in God's image, that God is coming and God is present and God is redeeming and God is saving and God is making wrong things right. So we see this, um, if I look back just a bit, we titled this uh, uh, sermon, this service today, 2020 Vision, which I know is not the most creative thing that you've ever heard us do. <laughs> but, but there's an old adage that says hindsight is 2020. You know, after you've lived through something, you can look back and you can see the pros and cons of things. But in some ways, that's how I think we always should be living. That is, we always should be living both looking back to our past to see how God has worked and what God has done and what we've come through, but then also looking forward to our future with that expectation about what God is going to do. So just, just very briefly, I want us to, to pause and look back at this last year. And when I say look back at this last year, I don't mean January 1 through December 31st of 2019. I mean to look back at this last church calendar year. So if we actually go back to last Advent, not what we just finished, but Advent a year ago, we started with the series on serenity. And we, we did three sermons on the serenity prayer. Um, you know, uh, somebody help me out here, the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. What would I do without my church staff? <laughs> but that Advent, we prayed that prayer together. We preached about the prayer, right? We tried to actually practice serenity. And then that opened up into Christmas time, and we had the Feast of the Holy Family, and then we went into Epiphany, which we titled Living Epiphany. Because Epiphany is about the manifestation of God. It's about God's presence. Uh, it often starts with kind of recounting the baptism of Jesus, where Jesus and the rest of the world gets the epiphany that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the one who has been promised, that he's the one that uh, we've been waiting for and looking for. So out of Living Epiphany, we went into three consecutive series that looked very similar. The first was Finding Our Way. So you see it's kind of a desert landscape. It's at night. It looks dark. So Lent is the time of kind of Christian fasting. It commemorates the time that Jesus was in a wilderness, a wilderness that probably looked not unlike this one, 
Uh, I know this looks a bit like northern Arizona, but it also looks a bit like the Judean wilderness, right? And it was, it was kind of, it's that time of introspection where we prepare ourselves to celebrate Easter, which is the way of Christ. So we went from finding our way to the way of life. It's the same landscape, hopefully you can notice. It's just, it's gone from night into the day. And Easter is not just a day again, right? Easter is a time. It's Easter tide. It, it starts on Easter Sunday, but it lasts until the day of Pentecost, which we so cleverly titled our series, or that day, Pentecost Sunday. It's still the same, it's still the same background. We didn't change the background at all. We just went from night to day to kind of sunset because this is all this movement that we're in that's kind of hopefully year after year after year shaping us in a way to live as God's creation, right? To live as citizens of heaven, to live as a family, as God's people, as the body of Christ, as those who have been kind of adopted into the family of God. There's all these different metaphors that Scripture uses that talks about what does it mean to be initiated into God's people and what does it mean to live as a part of God's people. And we try to use those in various different ways. Now, what's interesting about the kind of church calendar is it starts with Advent and it moves around to Pentecost, but that's a little less than half the year. The rest of the year is typically just referred to as ordinary time. And frankly, my friends, that is most of our lives. Most of our lives are neither some mountaintop experience where we're just euphoric, where everything is working out for us. I mean, that happens sometimes in our lives. Sometimes things just fall in place and we love it, right? But that's not the majority of the time. And thank God, the inverse of that is also true. That is, the toughest part of our times, the toughest part of our lives, the hardest times are not decades long, typically, right? They come, but then they go. But most of our life, right, is somewhere in between. It's, it's the ordinary. It's the everyday. And the first day of ordinary time is called Whit Monday. It's the, it's the Monday after Pentecost Sunday. And it talks about kind of life in the Spirit. So if the Spirit is given on Pentecost then most of life is life in the Spirit. Most of life is just moving along. It's continuing. And so we went into a series called um, Family Ties because we were going to focus that summer, last summer, on family stories. And what we meant by family stories were mostly stories from the Old Testament, Stories that the lectionary said, you should look at this during ordinary time or during regular time. And we did so because those stories are our stories, right? We teach our children that song, Father Abraham. I don't know how long it's been since you've volunteered in kids' ministries, but we've been doing it for like the last 40 years, right? They sing this song, Father Abraham. It's repetitive. And each time you, get, each time you go to repeat it, you have the children move a different part of their body. It's a lot of fun. I'd re reenact it for you, but I'm not in the mood for that today, but <laughs> next time. Yeah. So, so that's, that's part of that rhythm. Um, as we came to the end of the summer, we decided to do two sh uh, kind of shorter series at, for the fall. 
One of them was called Nothing But the Truth, where we focused on different characters out of John's gospel. And each week we paired two characters together. Like we, we compared the beloved disciple and the mother of, of Jesus. We compared uh, Pilate and, and Herod, um, or maybe it was Pilate and Caiaphas. But each week we, we paired different um, characters together. And then we ended the year with a very short season, a very short series on um, Philippians. Um, think on these things. And that was our year. And now we've started a new year, right? Like we just came through Advent and Christmas, and tomorrow is Epiphany. And so as we get ready to start this new year, I just want to kind of look forward and, and say, this is the church calendar and we'll be following it, but with a lot of intentionality. We're not just doing it to kind of go through the motions. We're reflecting on who we are and who we believe God to be and what God is calling us to, to calling us to and how we might respond. But before we get there, I just want to say this last piece about kind of ordinary time. Um, there's this kind of wonderful uh, quote uh, from the Lord of the Rings um, where Gandalf is speaking and he's talking about how it's not necessarily the strong things that are always able to kind of overcome evil or resist evil, but it's actually the small things, like the faithful things. Uh, a group of us from the church here over the Christmas break uh, went to see a movie called A Hidden Life. It is a very slow, very long film. I know I'm really selling it to you, aren't I? <laughs> the dialogue in it is minimal. Like, they don't actually say a lot. <laughs> now you're convinced you have to see it, right? <laughs> but it's, it's by a director named, named Terrence Malick. And part of what makes his movies wonderful is that he tells stories through pictures. It's the scenery, and it's the framing. And it's this kind of very deliberate story about this Austrian man and his wife who lived in the 1940s just on this remote farm in this small village. And how he resisted evil by not fighting uh, for Hitler. Like part of what you had to do as an Austrian as you joined the German military was you had to swear an oath to Adolf Hitler. And he didn't feel, feel like he could do that and, and still be who he was. And so a lot of people were asking him, do you think this is going to change anything? Like, do you think this is going to have any good? Do you think this is going to matter at all? You're just one guy. Like, why not just go ahead and support the other guys in your village and, and go off and fight? Like, why, why not work in the hospital, do something? Just, just go ahead and make the oath. It doesn't matter. His bishop was telling him to make the oath. His priest was telling him to make, it, make the oath. The mayor of his town was telling him to make the oath. And what I think the story is telling us is that these small things, these things that seem immeasurable, these acts of kindness, this kind of faithfulness, this hiddenness of the, of the holy and faithful life makes a difference. It makes a difference in us. It makes a difference in our family. And it's not some strong and powerful lever that's going to recreate the world. 
But there is a way in which your act of faith, your act of mercy, your act of love, your act of forgiveness, your act of holiness, your act of sacrifice is, is going to matter. So when we stand juxtaposed to the world and we say kind of no to injustice, when we say yes to mercy or to love, maybe we, it looks like we're not going to have this big effect, but the person who's standing, that kind of lone kind of prophet who's saying, you know, thus saith the Lord, they do it so much not just to necessarily to change the world, but to keep the world from changing them. And that's the way in which I think we live. And it's that type of faithfulness that I think is, matters. And it's that type of intentionality that will work a difference in our own lives. So let's just pause for a second and think, who do I want to be? What kind of legacy, what kind of testimony do I want to leave? And then let's lean into God and let's practice it because... I know we live in a world where there's an expectation that if you say something or do something, you should get some kind of uh, effect, some kind of consequence fairly quickly. And this type of living that I'm talking about isn't like that. Like, commit yourself to this for a year, and then we'll talk. Commit yourself this to a decade, and then we'll be able to look back and see how change has really mattered. But that's where we are, right? This isn't a, this isn't a quick fix. This isn't, you know, you're not going to be able to apply some principle that we say today and then you'll be rich by, you know, next month, right? This, this is a life committed to living and following. So for Epiphany this year, we're going to, we're going to do a series called Know and Be Known. And we're going to practice faithful attendance. Know and be known. So part of this knowing and being known is an epiphany. It's, it's, you know, God manifesting God's self. But in the process of that, we realize who we are. This is why on that Sunday evening, uh, January the 18th, we're going to have that workshop on mental health and spirituality. Look. You are a full person, a body, a soul, a mind, a spirit. You're, you're made up of a lot of things. There are things going on in you physically. There are things going along in you psychologically and emotionally. And that means who you are at work. It means who you are at home. It means who you are in your relationships. It means who you are with God. And I want you to know this. You know, in November of last year, we lost a friend a very close friend of mine who died of suicide. And I just can't imagine going into another year and standing week after week in front of you without calling you to do some kind of self-care with your own mental health. I, I need you to care for yourself, to be aware of your needs. I want you to understand that anxiety, that depression, that 
uh, bipolar disorder. These are, these are common things that people deal with. These aren't abnormalities that are super rare. And so I want you to understand that that's not separate from your spirituality. It's not separate from your life. And I want the, this epiphany season to reveal to us who God is and in the process reveal to us who we are. And so I really want you to mark that date on your calendar. Like this, is, this isn't something like just a few people show up in a small group event. I want you to come. I want you to bring your friends. I want you to bring your friends' friends. I want you to bring your neighbors. I want you to bring your coworkers. I want to pack the house out that Sunday night. So we can very intentionally practice epiphany. We're going to follow that part of epiphany, the January into February, in a sense of moving from personal awareness into social awareness. And I guess it, it also fits with January too, what, what Gretchen was talking about earlier, in, in sense of being aware of human trafficking. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. But we are in the world, and we are for it. And so we need to do our part to help that. And awareness is how, how that can begin. Now, this tagline, practicing faithful attendance, I'm not here to harp on you. Look, I know we're busy people. But we can't be together unless we're together. Like, we need time with each other. So whether that's showing up early and having breakfast and then coming here and worshiping together or coming in to worship together and finding somebody to go out to eat with. I want us to commit ourselves to more faithful attendance, more faithful presence with each other. It can be in a small group. It can be in the Tuesday night labs. It can be in the Wednesday night communion service. It can be in one of the life groups that we offer. It can be in something that we haven't officially organized, but you just find yourself in. But epiphany works because we are together. God is with us, and we're with God, and we're with one another. And we're for one another. Our epiphany series, Know and Be Known, is going to then open up into a uh, Lenten series, which is called Serve and Be Served, Practicing Faithful Giving. This is another one of those places where the national calendar and the Christian calendar overlap. So Epiphany ends with a day called Mardi Gras. You've heard of that? Bet you didn't know that was a Christian holiday. <laughs> it's not always celebrated as a Christian holiday. I'll grant you that. But it is one. It ends uh, Epiphany. It opens us up into Lent, Ash Wednesday. So you, you kind of use up your perishables because you're not going to be using them during Lent, right? And then you enter this time. And often we think of Lent as a time of fasting, as kind of taking something out of our typical life. But this year, I want to think of it as serving. I want us to think about adding something to our lives during Lent. Practicing faithful giving. So this is part of what Wayne was talking about earlier, about kind of intentionality with our sense of giving and sacrifice, and certainly that needs to be all year long. But we want to focus on this during Lent. Finding ways to give of ourselves. Spending a, a Tuesday or a Saturday with blessings and hope. Or finding some other ministry to be involved with. 
Um, there, there's not a shortage of people in our community who could use your company, who could use your assistance. Jesus says, the poor you'll always have with you. That's not an excuse not to do anything. It's telling us there's always more to do. And that's something that we can do. And that's something I hope that as a group we will lean into. Now, Lent, of course, prepares us for the greatest time of the year, uh, Easter time, which we have titled for this year, Celebrate and Be Celebrated, Practicing Faithful Fellowship. This is the great celebration. So we can talk about the birth of the Christ, right? This is the 12th day of Christmas, right? And we can celebrate that Christ is born. But all of those texts that talk about the birth of Christ very quickly move toward the death of Christ. That he comes, and he comes to serve, not to be served. And he comes willing to die for us. And that death changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. And so, look, being a part of this group, being initiated into this type of community means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus means kind of prioritizing him. Like you don't have to come to church every day, but every day you should acknowledge God in your life. So acknowledge God every day, right? Come to church every week. Fellowship with each other once a month. And then we'll, we'll do something big once a year and make a difference somewhere else out in the world. But we want to celebrate and we want to be celebrated. But this is not just something that's happening out there somewhere. It's something happening right here to us, in us, with us. Easter then will open up into, it ends you know, with the day of Pentecost. That's just one day. But then for ordinary time, we're going to launch at least into the summer with a series called Love and Be Loved, uh, Practicing Faithful Service. And so we want to be a church. We are a church. But we want to intentionally be committed to being a church that serves, that serves God, that serves one another, and that serves our community. This, this is not just some place to spend some, your Sunday mornings and then we're good to go the rest of the week. This, this is a community. Right? It's, it's our middle name. Oasis Community Church. Yeah? We have three names. And our middle name is community. And we can't be who we say we are unless we practice this. So practice some intentional attendance. Practice some intentional giving. Practice some intentional celebration. Practice some intentional service. I'm going to I'm going to jump. I, I plan to read a, a passage from Jeremiah, but I just want to read this passage from Ephesians because it, it speaks to what God is doing, I think, as Christmas time comes to an end and as Epiphany gets to launch. 
And it speaks to us, hopefully, in a way that we can get on board and realize that we're kind of following two calendars at the same time. That we're with everyone else, right? We're in the world, but we're not of it. And so we have our own calendar. This is Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as he chose in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to pray to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, and he lavished that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made us known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we are We have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set up our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal and the promise of the promised Holy Spirit, This is the pledge of our inheritance toward the redemption as God's own to the praise of his glory. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. Both this passage that I read and the passage from Jeremiah, it's Jeremiah 31. I I won't take the time to read it this morning. Jeremiah is known, some would refer to him as the weeping prophet. He's kind of one of the more negative, perhaps, of the prophets. And part of this is because, I mean, his message uh, didn't have much of a message of redemption in it. Like most of the prophets say, okay, you're in a bad spot, so here are your options. Option A, repent, and God will forgive you, and he'll be your God, and things will be all right. Or option B, don't repent, and judgment will come on you. But Jeremiah's message was a little heavier than that. It came to us like this. Option A, repent and be destroyed by the Babylonians. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think maybe you got that mixed up. He goes like, repent and and Babylon's going to come and destroy you. Don't repent. Babylon's going to come and utterly destroy you. It's like, ooh, that's, that's a little heavy, Jeremiah. Can you like calm down? But Jeremiah also has this to say, and this, was the, this is the passage from Jeremiah today. It's that God, after all that, after your A and B options of the future, God's not done. That God will do a new thing. That God will make you his children. That God will do a new thing. That A woman will encircle a man. It's a very beautiful euphemism for pregnancy. That there'll be a birth of a child and a new life will come. 
That idea about God making us his children, I think is picked up in Paul's letter where Paul says that we will be adopted. Did you hear that language? It jumps out at me these days. It seems to be everywhere I look. That it doesn't matter how broken the world has become. It doesn't matter how hopeless, how much despair is being spewed. That somehow after all that, after the judgment, after the despair, after the problems, that God has another word to say. And it's a good word. And it's a hopeful word. From the wisdom of the TV show, Call the Midwife, keep on living until you feel like you're alive. There is life after this. And that life may very well be this year. 2020 might be just that year for us that we've been through some hard times. But we know the author of the story. And hard times is not the end. It's only the penultimate. It's the next to the end. The ultimate, the way the story ends, is God making right. Is God doing a new thing? Is God giving birth to the child? And the child being Emmanuel, God with us.